Hi, we're Phil and Jen, and this is season four, episode seven. We're calling this one Embodiment with our longtime friend, Chrissy Powers. Chrissy is a trauma therapist and embodiment coach, and we talk about the power of living in connection with our bodies, moving from perfectionism and shame to freedom, her own expansion of her faith, spiritual gaslighting, purity culture, and body image. And it was just an all-around really great conversation. Yeah, it was great. I think you're going to love this one. We've known her since college, so it's super fun to just catch up with her and where she's at and the work that she's doing, and you're going to love it. Before we jump into it, we want to share uh, a couple of really fun things going on this summer. We're hosting a couple of meetups. I realize that sounds ambiguous. We're hosting a couple of meetups this summer. That's what we're doing. So what's a meetup, Phil? A meetup. We'd love for you to join us if you're around the Costa Mesa area. Uh, A meetup is... um, Came out of this idea of wanting to create a safe, collaborative, fun space for people to process their faith lives wherever they're at as um, we're expanding and growing the new spaces. And the truth is, as we're expanding, it can actually be really lonely. And we want to kick it. We want to hang with friends, new and old, with tacos kick it. and margaritas. <laughs> I just went to Kevin's. Our friend Kevin Sweeney just had his book launch here in Costa Mesa, the second book launch party. The first one was in Hawaii. And his playlist was uh, at the party was entirely 90s and early 2000s hip hop. So yeah, we want to kick it. And um, that, that's where um, my headspace is. And we want to have tacos and margaritas. And we want to explore all the things and have a lot of fun together. And we'd love for you to join us. And the dates are Saturday, June 25th. And also Saturday, July 30th. Both are going to be from 7 to 9 p.m. And if you're interested... You can go to the site, philandjenwood.com, and you can RSVP, and we'll send you the address, or you can hit us up on Instagram, and uh, we'll let you know as well. And now, for episode seven, Embodiment with Chrissy Powers. All right. Well, hello. We have with us today someone that I'm really excited to have on. We have a dear friend, Chrissy Powers, who... We've been friends since college, actually, but I will do a formal introduction. Chrissy is a licensed marriage and family therapist specializing in trauma, business, and an embodiment coach. She is a mother of three beautiful children, and she's an ex-mommy blogger and content creator, and Chrissy is just an all-around, just incredible woman who you want to be around who knows who she is, and I'm proud to have her as my friend. So welcome. Thank you. That was a good intro. I probably should have put X mommy blogger at the end because I still create content. (laughs) But it's just not as much mommy blogging stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So what are you up to these days? You want to tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah. Um, Well, other than trying to figure out who I am, I... (laughs) (laughs) I am um, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I see primarily um, women ages, you know, eighteen to you know fifties, and I specialize in trauma and embodiment work. So I also do coaching with women all across the world, um, teaching them how to reconnect with their bodies, as well as. Um, finding out what their passions are and how to profit from that passion, how to find their voice online, um, rebrand their business. It's just, it's so much fun for me. So I love doing coaching as well. And then I'm a mom. So I, there are days where I just don't get out of my athleisure and (laughs) just hang out with my kids and that's the life I want. So yeah, I pretty much do feel like I am living my best life and um, I love it. So yeah, that's awesome. And I see that in you too. Uh, just as a friend. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Like, who are you? Where do you come from? Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in the Bay area and I was in a wonderful Christian family or am sorry. I am in <laughs> My parents are strong Christians, raised us in um, a really small Christian, I would say legalistic church. Um, And I was very much the good girl. Um, I learned really early on 
if anybody's familiar with the Enneagram, I always say I was born a seven and the world made me a three hmm. because I quickly learned how to receive love and belonging. And, um, and it was through achievement. It was through perfection. It was through having the right answers and looking perfect. So, um, so I grew up in a wonderful family, but, um, the collective unconscious is kind of what, um, steered me in that direction of like, okay, this is who I am because this is who the world is telling me I am. So I must be this good girl. So I grew up, um, there and then went to Point Loma with you guys. I had no clue what I was going to do or study. I always like was drawn to creativity and art. I just never felt like I was that good at it until one day a friend said, you should study what you love, not what you think will make money. Hmm. Um, and so I was like, wow. So that day I went to the office and changed my major from undeclared or communication. <laughs> it was it's like the same thing, right? The one you put when you <laughs> yeah. don't know what you're going to do. Yeah, exactly. That's what everybody did. So I changed it to art and the last two years studied art at Point Loma and I loved it. Then after college, I did what everybody thought they had to do, which is get this like full-time job with benefits. And that made me move to San Francisco. So I worked at Time Incorporated for Parenting Magazine and All You Magazine. And I was doing ad sales assistance um, work. And I always say it's like the movie Devil Wears Prada. Um, <laughs> that was me. That was my job. I like booked her. Like you were the assistant. Too. I was the assistant. Okay. I like booked her spa appointments and I, um, yeah, I kept her books and things like that. And I helped her like with her twins, like classwork and stuff like that. I literally, <laughs> like, there's movies about me. But um, I hated it. I was so depressed. Um, and it just was not where I was thriving at all. And I wasn't very good at it. And so for years, I thought I failed at it. I thought I was just stupid. Um, and then I just realized, no, thank God that I got out of that. And that I didn't just continue because it was good money or benefits or whatever. Um, and that's when I moved back down to San Clemente. And I um, was like, well, at least I need to be in an area where I feel good. And so I moved back to where community was. Um, and then I quickly realized like, okay, I need to go back to school. And that's when I started um, looking into getting my master's in psychology. So I went and went to Chapman University and absolutely loved every minute of studying psychology and working with people. And then I met my husband and Graduated 2010 with my master's in psychology, started working at a private practice as well as an eating disorder and um, drug addiction center. So I counseled people with multiple um, illnesses. It's called dual diagnosis when you have like addiction as well as like bipolar or, um, you know, anxiety and eating disorders, which is basically the same thing. But um, so I worked there in San Clemente for years as well as building up my private practice. Um, and then had my first child in 2012 and it just was too much to do both. So I knew I was kind of like putting my career on the back burner a little bit, but I wanted to be a mom so badly that I was okay with that. And I just was okay with going the route um, that was a little slower to getting my hours. And then by the time, um, I, I didn't know I was pregnant at the time with my second son, but that's when I passed my licensing exam in 2014. Wow. So it was amazing. Yeah. It was like, and now that I look back on it, I think I thought it was like such a long time and I'm like, no, I, that wasn't that long and I did it. So, um, yeah, I managed to, um, have my kids get my hours, get licensed. Oh, and build a business from home called christypowers.com, which was my blog at first since I started to share about motherhood. And I um, quickly out-earned my husband. And I don't say that to put him down. I just say that because I'm really proud of myself for what I did. I followed my intuition. I followed what brought me joy and the money came and it was insane. And it was like, I, and we didn't expect it. So we kind of stopped it away. Thank God. Cause things quickly <laughs> took a turn. Um, but for years I was making all this money from influencing and it felt really good because it was like, I was being creative and I was also using my voice 
um, to help other women feel less alone in motherhood or relationships or mental um, health. And, and that was, that felt really good. And then the pandemic hit and things changed mm-hmm. online. What? And things changed? Yeah. <laughs> uh. Things changed. And um, yeah, I was with an agency at the time. And I'm not saying the story to put them down at all, because I know they did what they felt like they had to do. But I'm sitting in my private practice. Oh, yeah. Okay. I probably should put um, this in as well. My husband and I have been building a house for years. Um, which I'm sitting in now, but yeah, you are. we started building a this time. house before the pandemic and then the pandemic hit and then nobody wanted to come work on it. And we lost our loan. So we had to like get a new loan and it took us, it's taken three years to get the house done. Um, and I ended up having to go back to work because I, when I had my third baby, I took two years off from private practice because I was making more money influencing and I wanted to be with my kids. So I took two years off. Then the pandemic hit. And I really felt this pull to go back to private practice because I really, I, I knew people needed the help. They needed um, to feel less alone. I was working with a lot of um, healthcare workers. And um, I felt like that was my contribution to what I could do during the pandemic. So um, I went back to work to open my private practice again. And it just grew like right away. So that was amazing and awesome blessing as my husband stayed home to do like the distance learning and building the house when he could. Um, and so one day I'm sitting in my office and I had just seen probably like maybe six clients in a row. And I get this call from the CEO of the agency I was with and she um, kind of passive aggressively <laughs> was saying, we just don't feel like you want it you don't hmm. want this job anymore. And at the time, I mean, yeah, she was probably right. I, I, I making content is draining, especially when you're doing it for an audience of people that you will never please everybody. Yeah. Um, and so I was very tired. I was the only one making money and she kind of dropped the bomb that I wasn't making enough for them so that they were letting me go. Hmm. Um, in a way that made it sound like it was my, my choice. I just said, what a master. Wow. That's masterful. Wow. It was very masterful. Like, I think I, I just quit. Between, did I quit? I no. think I just quit. Hmm. And I, I did feel relief at first, but I was very sad because I had spent so many years dedicated to this community that I did care about. I mm-hmm. cared about it in so many ways, but I was also wrestling with how do I show up authentically during the social justice movement as a white woman, how do I learn? How do I show authentically as a woman whose faith is in transition? How do I, um, yeah, it was just, it was all of that. And this, these people didn't get that. They wanted me to stay in a box and look right. like a pretty mom. They wanted me to share about my kids and fashion and make everything look pretty. I knew that's what they wanted of me and I couldn't do that. So I know it was a blessing because I probably wouldn't have walked away. So having them kind of drop me was huge in dealing with that sort of rejection or sense of failure, even though I knew it was meant to be. Um, But yeah, I mean, the income, just that whole income went away. And I had to then recalibrate and really go after what I wanted and not what the world wanted of me. Wow. that's my story. (laughs) (laughs) I'm proud of you for not, Uh, I mean, it's just impressive. Like, you know, you could have just made it look pretty and just kept going and stayed in the box and made everyone happy. And how has that been for you staying true to yourself and, um, choosing to stay aligned and not go that route to stay in the box and just keep mommy blogging about the Mm -hmm. same stuff or, you know? Yeah. It's, um, honestly messy because there are times where I'll be like really in line with my authenticity and I'll share something that's like deeply meaningful to me um, and others won't get it and it will hurt still and that's my husband <laughs> he's looking at me <laughs> sorry um, it will hurt because 
it always hurts when people don't understand you or it hits that childhood wound or trauma. And then that's where I know I have to do more work. But there's times where I'm just like, I got to keep it sacred. I got to hold that in. Or, you know, like I know when I have to go inward and be quiet a little bit and not always share everything Mm -hmm. that's happening to me. Um, So it's a balance, but it's still messy because I, I constantly want the approval, approval of others, even though I know that's not what's best for me. So it causes me to grow. Um, And then I do get an amazing response from women that are going through what I'm going through or they feel seen and that's what matters the most. And that's what keeps me showing up because I know that they're out there, even though they're not the majority right now. Or at least they're not vocalizing themselves as such, but maybe they're- Yeah, because it's scary. Maybe they're observing and getting a lot from what you're doing without having the courage to- let you know it yet. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's for me, it's like the biggest, um, experiential therapy. Like I'm going to look back on it someday and be like, that, that helped me to test like what I could do and say that I have a voice, even if it, um, offends someone else, even if like just giving myself that permission to have a voice and to change my mind because Mm -hmm. people expect me now to be this way or to have these beliefs or these values and they have changed. They've shifted. I've let go of so much of that. And that feels good that I like, there is nothing better than feeling in line with your authenticity and being able to stand behind that and share it, even if it upsets another person and it hurts and it feels awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's hard, but it is. It does feel so good to be in line with yourself and what you know to be true, and and actually, all the areas of your life lining up in that. There's like yeah. a sexiness to it, though. Before you make <laughs> oh. that leap, where you're like, "Oh, I'm gonna, mm. I'm gonna be aligned, and it's all gonna <laughs> line up." And then you you are, and then you're like, "Oh, it feels weird in other places," you know. It's, it, it does, oh gosh, yeah. It's not a switch that you flip. It's like a really it's a transformative process that actually takes quite a bit of time. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. If I'm being honest, like some of the political things that are happening right now, um, which I have, um, you know, kind of gone from one end to the other. Um, and I feel like I need to have a right to stand up for them because I am like sort of like a public figure online um, that not saying something actually is saying something. Mm. And so I feel like I do need to say something, um, even if other people don't understand it or approve of it or be like, wow, she's way different now. Or um, that to me is healing. And yeah, I get that same sense of like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to share. I'm going to be like, boom, that's it. That's the truth. And then I'll get like a negative comment or something. And I'll be like, what, what, what? And I need to write them back and I need to tell them why. And I need totally. to explain myself. And with the help from my therapist, <laughs> she's always encouraging me to not explain myself. She's like, well, Chris, yeah. you actually didn't need to do that. No, I'm yeah. like, you're right. No comment needed. No. Yeah. No, no, it's not a debate. There's no defense. No. no. And uh, that's the real work, right? Right. And being totally okay with yourself anyway knowing that people yes. don't fully approve of maybe where you stand on certain things and mm-hmm. feeling a hundred percent good in that, like maybe not a hundred percent all the time, but what are some practices that you've, I know I've been, I've picked up some practices recently to kind of self-regulate in that. Do you have things that you do when that feeling comes up? I know we've talked about this, but I'd love for you to share some of what do you do when, yeah. you, when that comment pops up online disapproval? And it hits that trigger, you know, that feeling. Yeah. Um, it's usually a conversation with my past self. And it's like, I always say the 20 year old me would like hate the 40 year old me. <laughs> She'd be like, what the heck are you doing? Um, Ruined that, us. that person. I know. <laughs> but that person didn't know who she was. She was just living into an idea of what she had to be or do. And, um, 
I denied there were parts of myself then that I'm like, like I have been a feminist since I was 14, but I was taught that word was bad. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like, you burn your bras and they're the women that are crazy. And I didn't realize that feminist is actually a good thing. It's like, you're for women, you're for equality. And now I fully embrace that title. I'm like, absolutely. Everybody should be a feminist. Jesus is a feminist. He was the biggest one. So it's like kind of wrestling with the, the old me or the old idea that I'm doing something bad and then reconnecting to that I'm good and that I've always been good. Um, and, and my intention, right. My core intention it's not always pure. Sometimes it is for attention, right? Sometimes it is because you want to be like pissed off and you want to share your opinion. But overall, um, I just go back to my source, you know, I talk to God and I'm like, are we okay? Are we, are we doing good? And I, I feel like God has never let me down. I feel like, um, the fruit of what I see in my life now to use like a Christian term, um, that means more. And I, I, we, I get called all the time by people that are like, what concern for you? Or, you know, I've gotten those Christian concerned calls. And what I really want to say is, well, when I looked like I had it together, mm. um, I was depressed and having panic attacks all the time. Um, I was micromanaging everything in my life. I was white knuckling life. I wasn't really trusting God. My marriage was awful. My husband was abusing alcohol. He was depressed as well. And yeah, we looked like the perfect church family. Now, now we are more connected than ever. Now we are really living in the freedom of Christ. Now I can curse every once in a while without (laughs) feeling like I'm going to go to hell. And I can connect with other people that don't have the same beliefs as me. And I can feel like I'm a part of them and they're a part of me. And that is the fullness of Christ. Yeah. And that's what I want to share with them. And you just, I mean, not everybody's going to understand that. Um, they're like, so you're you like, that. so you're going to hell then is what they say. <laughs> they're oh, all, yeah. so you just paved your path to hell with all kinds of false statements of bad theology. What have you been reading? Oh, you know, what's so cool, Chrissy, is yeah. I love this conversation. Sometimes it's so fun to talk to people that we know on an intimate level on the podcast, because as you're saying these things, I'm going, yes, because I loved you at the 20 year old version of Chrissy. You you were mm-hmm. one of my dearest friends. But the version of Chrissy now that is sitting before me is so much more free and so much more mm-hmm. alive and what I see is connected to Christ and, and by the way, fun, way more fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, way more fun, way more fun. And yeah. And, yeah. You knew me at the height of my eating disorder. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and you were an amazing person. You've always been amazing, but to see you be freed of some of that stuff mm. has been a joy to watch your journey from the outside and, and from the, you know, and from a personal level yeah. as well. But thank you. Yeah. I like the way you described the freedom. Okay, talk about your faith. Yeah. You used the word my faith transitioning. You've talked about twenty yeah. year old Chrissy, forty year old Chrissy. You've had like yeah. you you started dropping a lot of Christian language here, which I liked. I did. I, I wasn't saying that in a bad way, but so clearly you you haven't. So so like faith transition can mean like I transitioned out of my thing. So people are like saying I'm no longer a part of whatever that was. But you, that's not the language you're using. Tell me what your, what was this about and why and how did it happen? Where you at? Yeah. Okay. So I uh, grew up Christian and um, found my identity and like being the girl that invited everybody to youth group and witnessed to them. And I thought like my highest goal in life um, was to get married and have kids. Um, I always thought I would have a job too. And my dad was really supportive of that. Um, and he always like, it it was confusing because in one sense he would say you could be president, but then in the other sense, he would be like, but pick a job where you can have kids. Um, and that was really kind of confusing. I didn't really understand. So it was kind of like, you're so limited, but you're not. And, and I love my dad for that. He empowered me in so many ways, but, um, once again, it was the belief system of biblical womanhood 
that I really fell into, um, which was you are a helper to your husband and he is over you. Um, and when I met my husband, uh, we really just, yeah, he was the person I was waiting for. I grew up in purity culture. I feel like I aced it, um, sort of <laughs> aced it. Um, so remained a virgin and that was like something I really prided myself in and it made me feel better than other people. I realized that that was like very uh, prideful thing for me, but it also was a source of extreme anxiety for me. So if I did anything that sort of was like, I don't know, this is murky. What did I just, um, am I damaged goods now? Um, caused me insane anxiety. And now I look back and I'm like, no wonder why I had panic attacks. Like it was too much pressure. Um, so my faith transition. So my husband and I kind of like the first half of our marriage, I would say would be just trying to be the roles we expected of each other. I was trying to be like this perfect Christian wife, um, while also being this internal, insanely feministic, um, tenacious person. So I didn't always feel like I fit into that mold at church or like women's Bible studies. Um, I just didn't feel like I fit there. Um, and then Sam, my husband was also trying to do the same thing to be this like biblical man. And he talks about it now all the time. And he's like that insane pressure of providing was so much for him that was what caused a lot of our fights early on in our marriage um and so it really was the pandemic that allowed us to stop and pause uh but even before that i was questioning things um like i'm not happy here at this church maybe we need to try another one i don't like that there's not enough women speaking um and when i was 14 was when i asked my dad why do you not why can't women speak in church this doesn't make sense um and the explanation didn't make sense. It was like, well, that's what the Bible says. And I didn't quite understand because I was like, well, if I'm made in God's image, why don't I have a voice too? Um, but it, that was once again, something I had to bury. And I had to be like, okay, then I felt bad for wanting that. So there's a lot of shame attached to like, even wow. just wanting yeah. to have the ability to, to have a voice in the church. And then, you know, by the time I was Okay, this is kind of poetic. When I was 37, it was on my birthday. My birthday's on International Women's Day. And the church mm -hmm. we were attending or had attended for like 10 years asked me to speak at a business mixer. And I was speaking with these two other men. One was like the CEO of Surfrider Foundation. One was this Amazon strategist man. And I was interviewed before about what I was going to talk about. And they wanted me to talk about like my influencing and things like that. But everything that they asked me was like, but how does it glorify God? How does it glorify Jesus? How is Jesus showing up in this? And I'm like thinking, are you asking the men this? Are you asking the Amazon tragedies this question? Because I'm like, I, I work because I make money. <laughs> I'm like, I, my answer was, I hope that I hope I glorify God with everything I do, but that's not necessarily on the forefront of my mind. Like, every time I'm signing a contract or, um, you know, I'm, I'm making money using my gifts and that's kind of natural. And so it was frustrating for me, but also I, um, I showed up at that business mixer speaking to a group of people, men and women. And it was so incredibly healing for me because I was like, whoa, I have a voice now. I can speak. And that was the last day we were at church and the world shut down. So I was like, wow, God, you're kind of funny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you gave me the platform to have a voice. And then I had the space and time to step away and to ask myself, like, does that work for me still? Does that system work for me? So then you went into the pandemic and you said it was this catalyst. Like what, uh, what happened? Where did it, where did it go? Where did it I feel like it was the, well, like, uh, when you're swimming in the water, as Rob Bell talks about in his podcast, he was like, you're in this water and then you're automatically, or you get out of the water and you're a fish on the beach looking at the water. That's how I felt. I was like, mm. oh my gosh, that was the water I was swimming in. And I didn't like it, all of it while I was in it. But I, I mean, obviously there's still some really good parts of it, but it didn't fit 
me. It didn't fit my husband and it didn't help us in our relationship. And honestly, it went against a lot of my core beliefs that I had really just allowed myself to own that I believe women should be in leadership. Um, I believe women should have a voice that we should see and hear from the feminine heart of God. Um, and that we're extremely missing out in the church by not having that. Um, but the church I went to had a very staunch belief that women are submissive to men and that a woman shouldn't make more than her husband and they don't pay women equally. And to me, that was really offensive. And I don't want to raise my daughter or my boys in that. Um, but it is hard because I question like, are they lacking that community? So yeah, the pandemic gave me the space from it to see the water I was swimming in. Mm-hmm. and permission to not go <laughs> well, yeah i mean you're you're amongst like many millions who are on a similar path yeah it's interesting mm-hmm. how the we're calling this season this new space because it feels like we in every way are in this new space and we and it's evolving it's still evolving it's not like this is now that we're in this new thing that's in this new no. box it's like still still happening but in every way, you know, socially, politically, in education, and then in the faith, in faith, we're seeing mm-hmm. it. And that's what we've been really interested in talking about because, yeah, it's, there are so many people in a similar place, yeah. in a similar journey. And um, it's almost like there was all these things boiling below the surface and we just, it's like we were skimming along, pretending like it, we weren't being boiled. You know what I mean? We're just, and yeah. we stopped long enough for it to hurt long enough to, to go, okay, what, what really is going on here and evaluate things. I think we're still a lot, I mean, we're still doing that, but um, yeah. Yeah. And then also, like you said, seeing those people that are going through the same thing as you also helps you see like, okay, this is a thing. Like I'm not alone. I'm not making this up. I'm not being to use a Christian word, led astray. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually feeling more connected to Christ because that's um, what causes me to see injustice in a s- system. But um, yeah, one of my favorite guides, I should say, is uh, The Naked Pastor. If you don't follow him on Instagram, you probably would love it. And he came out with this book um, of his cartoons that he draws that say so much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Flip It flip it like this and it has Jesus like flipping the table yeah. showing another person how to flip it and I was like that's so awesome <laughs> that's amazing. like I'm being like Jesus yeah flip the table yeah and right. it's it feels different than the kind of judgmentalism that you were talking about before doesn't it would you agree with that like you were talking about being judgmental in for instance like I I didn't have sex before marriage how do you feel like this looks different you know, calling out injustice now or, you know, calling things out now as opposed to then? Um, Like within myself or others? Is that what you mean? Um, Yeah, I guess within yourself. Okay. Um, I can try new things and trust my heart. Mm. I um, can find God in other areas than the Bible. Um. I can even see God in someone who I don't know is a believer. Like I, and, and that was a big one for me was actually seeing that some of my friends that didn't go to church or necessarily label themselves as anything. They loved me so much better during a hard time than the church family. Mm. Um, and sometimes that the church family was the one that was judgment, bringing me judgment um, that was really uncalled for and hurtful. Um, and damaging and so instead of staying to fix it I had to leave and I had to have a space from that and I do feel like I get to fix it from the outside now a little bit more yeah you've talked about um, spiritual gaslighting before yeah can you speak into that a little bit like what does that look like um I thought that was helpful Mm. you've talked about that yeah spiritual gaslighting that was like a new thing I learned um, it's basically anytime someone denies your experience um, or your faith transition and they say, well, this verse says this about that. This verse says that about this. So your thoughts and your beliefs are actually bad. 
they're actually evil. And how would they know that? Like, how would they know what God's will is for my life? You know, they're not walking in my shoes. They don't know my heart. I mean, I don't even know what verse that is, but like God knows the heart. And so when someone like maybe on Instagram or, you know, social media, look at something I post and says, well, you know, the Bible says this, that you need to do that. And that your experience is, you know, maybe, oh, someone recently said, maybe you actually haven't experienced Christ before. And that, I mean, I, I wow. called that person out because mm-hmm. I was like, nope, you're not going to gaslight me. And that's actually narcissistic. And it's beyond narcissistic, I said, like, that's this manipulation. Well, be <laughs> manipulative. I said, actually, it's very, your comment has a very pharisaical tone to it, which actually reminds me that Jesus only condemned those people. So maybe this is me trying to be less like that and more like the people Jesus hung out with. Oh, Jesus um, would have punched you in the face and he didn't even believe in violence. <laughs> He'd have Will Smith you right there on that stage. And he wouldn't even Will have done it. Smith. Will Smith you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I said it was very, oh, it's very upsetting. traumatizing. It was very upsetting because I was like, this is what the wound is, right? Yeah. The wound is that I'm bad and making mm-hmm. a bad choice. And ultimately, I'm going to go to hell. And that in, in this person's sweet tone of like, well, I just wish that you could experience Jesus for real. That was so damaging to me because mm-hmm. it's like, whoa, like they don't know where I come from. They don't know that I was five years old dreaming and thinking about burning in hell forever. They don't know that. Uh, they don't know the years that I've been in therapy to undo that trauma. Um, and so I called her on it. And I'm like, please don't do this to anybody else. You don't know my heart. Thank God that God's the one that judges me and not you. Um, so yeah, that's what I consider spiritual gaslighting or anytime someone says, I know what's better for your life than you do. Yeah. And I mean, interestingly in the scripture, Paul actually says, I don't, I don't even judge myself. Only God can judge me. Whoa. So, I mean, that's freedom, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so interesting what it got turned into when we we did a um we did a a podcast we just put out this week i talked about heresy which is like can you tell it's Uh, summertime in our house right now by the way so last week of school we've got doorbells kids coming in and out i'm like oh this is going to be different i I can barely hear it that's good but (laughs) kids opening doors we i talked about how it's not worth getting into all of it, but people would, as an act of mercy, like the burnings, when people would burn people, like for their heresies, for their false beliefs, like, you know. You're saying just like when they burn people. Believers, baptism like versus no infant baptism. Well, because you're going to go to hell, we're going to do you a favor right now. And what we're going to do is we're going to set your body on fire, but we're going to do it with green wood. So it takes a lot longer. And we're going to strap your heresies to your chest and we're going to give you an opportunity to confess your sins and and someone on hand can like forgive you so that you, if you taste the fire now, you won't have to taste it forever, which is wildly sadistic. And they're like, this is the grace of God that we're giving you. But if you think about in our day and age, it's, it's like that, what you're describing is so similar because it's like, I'm going to make, I'm going to set you on fire right now. And I'm going to make you feel so much shame and judgment through these words that like, you're going to turn back from your ways, but at least I'll save you from hell. Like, this sucks what I'm doing, but, like, someone's got to do it because I'm God's messenger. I'm the grace of God for you, and I'm going to set your Mm -hmm. soul on fire right now. Like, think about it. That's what they're doing. Or, like, I'll set things straight. I'll set things straight. I'll set it right. It's like the 2022 version. That's interesting. And you're like, no, thank you. (laughs) And that's the beauty (laughs) now is you you can just zip up and go, no, thanks. Actually, my zip up literally. My uh, do that. my heart's all full. Thank yep. you. You know what I mean? Like, how great is that? Oh, the- I love that. My heart's all full. I'm just gonna write that. Down. I've loved. I'm gonna say that. <laughs> my heart's all full. Yeah. Another one. Instead of saying I'm thinking or I'm praying for you, I say to people, "Is I'm carrying you around to my heart." Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'll say that too. Yeah, because thoughts and prayers now have a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. So when I'm thinking of someone and they're going through a hard time, I'll tell them that too. But yeah, I love that. My heart's all full because 
it is like we said, the transition is murky and messy and you're going to go back to the default sometimes because that's what felt safe, right? Is the person that you were for so many years and the programming that yeah. felt very safe. Yeah. And I could go back and feel, I mean, I probably wouldn't go back and feel safe because my body was literally telling me this isn't safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so having panic attacks in church. Yeah. Um, wow. And it didn't feel safe. And so, but I thought that was my fault. And now I'm like, no, that's not your fault that you didn't feel safe. Um, yeah. Um, so you, so like your old system was like an intellectual sort of belief system that actually messed your body up. And then, so you shifted down into your body and said, no, I'm going to actually embody this thing into a, a different way of living that's actually true to the thing and true to me. And now you're an embodiment coach. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. What, what is an embodiment coach? Yeah. Um, okay. So I got a, I acquired a thyroid disorder at 16 years old. Um, and I just thought that was something genetic. Um, but yeah, basically my thyroid attacked itself. Um, and now that I've been learning more about energetics and the, um, the reason why we have disease, um, I thought, wow, of course I did. Like I had no voice. That's where your voice is. That's your throat chakra. That's where your truth is. Um, so I acquired that. And then through my own experiences of trauma um, that happened in motherhood, that's why I went back to therapy. And then my therapist was like, well, that's not where it started. And I was like, what do you mean? No, that's the traumatic event. She's like, no, it goes back beyond that. It goes back to being a, a little girl in a pew trying to hold the weight of a church <laughs> that like felt like she was perfect or her family was perfect. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so it was years of learning that I really had cut off my um, body. Um, purity culture was good at that too. We learned to deny any desires or feelings, um, and everything was up here. And it's like, so many of us are walking around with floating head syndrome and we're not really connected to our bodies and we override them. So even when we're tired, we try to keep producing and we, um, we don't stop till we get sick. And so now I'm learning, I am a cyclical being. I need to rest when, when I need to rest and I need to learn to be okay with that. Um, but I started learning more about embodiment, uh, before the pandemic I was in a woman's group with Krista Block Gifford, who was a Christian author, um, and worship leader and kind of like a big name in the Christian world and has since now been labeled a heretic. Um, but her work really helped me because she taught me nonlinear movement, um, which is this, um, modality of learning kind of unlearning in a way, mm. but um, getting your body space and time to move how it wants to move. So it's very counterintuitive to our Western culture. Um, it has roots in yoga. Um, and the woman that actually coined it or, or founded it is her name's Michaela Bowen. She's on Netflix series and she's like famous therapist or intimacy coach for like Gwyneth Patro and Will Smith. And, um, and so I was like curious about it which is what I tell some of my clients, like, what are you just curious about? So I was curious about it, looked it up. She had, she lives in Ohio and she was doing a training in 2019. And I was like, I'm going to go do this. So I signed up. I went to her ranch. I was with a bunch of people. Of course, like it's, you know, they're more like new agey people. And I'm just like, I always have these out of body moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, the 20 year old me would be like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> like there's a numerologist over there and there's like, but I You're like, no I matter where I show guard, up, freaking 20 year old me shows up and it's like, wants to crash my party <laughs> every time. <laughs> Always. She's like, it's, she's just like, it's like, she's the, just the hovering. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But once again, my therapist is like, you can try things. You have discernment. You can trust your heart. You can trust your heart. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. And I've just had the best conversations with people that believe differently. And now I'm not trying to change them. And I don't feel like I'm better than them. Um, That's great. And yeah. so I did this training Beautiful. that taught me how to teach other people to listen to their bodies. And that's what I teach in my coaching packages and some of my workshops. I recently did one in Costa Rica with women. Um, and it's really just allowing your body to speak. And I, while I was healing, doing this modality, I realized um, so much of my body was locked, locked down. Mm-hmm. 
and it's kind of like EMDR in a way, if anybody's done that before, where it's like thoughts will pop up that you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't thought about that memory for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what happens. Kind of like putting the pieces together. Um, and for me, a lot of it was around shame and my body and moving my hips. Wow. Cause it felt so good to move my hips. Oh, I love and I, that. Like, my intellect, my intellectual mind would be like, this is so weird. You're not supposed to do this. This is sexual. This is this and that. And I'm like, but my body says, yes. So when I finally was like getting my body permission to speak, that's when I felt more integrated. So great. That's so Beautiful. wild. Like, yeah, my anxiety went, my anxiety went. Wow. It's integrating all Literally. the um, parts of yourself that you deemed bad in a very mm-hmm. holistic way. Wow. Well, yeah. I'm so. I mean, that's the only way to do it. I just love the idea. I, I of, say movement, some sort of movement. movement. Like I just mm-hmm. tell people all the time that was the missing piece for me was movement because I was doing it all the work up here, Yeah. but not paying attention to the rest of my entire She's organism. pointing to her head, up here is her head. The rest of her body is the rest of the pointing. <laughs> my, I mean, if you're listening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, I'm just. <laughs> that's, I mean, you can do yeah. it through so many different things like breath work, um, ice baths, like you guys are doing. Like so much of that is the same thing, yeah, just yeah. incorporating the body with the mind. I love, yeah. I, I, I love the phrase embodiment coach. That's a really good way mm-hmm. to describe it because it is about, I mean, the emotions are stored in the body, the traumas in the body. And if you can connect to that and allow it to come to the surface in a safe place, yeah. it's a profound experience. And so many of us have been trained to separate the mind and the body when, if you think about it, even as children, if you think about when you play as a kid, how much do you just throw your whole body into something? I mean, I think at a pretty young age, a lot of us were taught not to do that. Like all of a sudden, yeah. it, you know, become aware of your body at a pretty young age. But to get back to that space of, like, I love picturing you just being free with yourself, moving your hips, if that's what felt right in the moment. And it's so interesting how we shut those two things or we separate those two things and shut that part off. You know, even spiritually, like the fact that we take our, so many of us have been taught that our spirituality, like Phil said, is all up here when like God made these bodies. Why wouldn't it be a mind, body, soul experience, our spirituality? Why would it be severed? You know? Well, that's the Jesus movement in John 20, 21 at the end when he says that he breathes spirit and then says now go out into the world and make essentially making a creation and like he's like it's like an embodiment movement god within you mm. and then we turned it into like i mean the whole movement is word becoming flesh and then post-reformation it's like let's go back to the word mm. and let's fight over our intellectual concepts endlessly and it, we forgot to embody it and even oh, gosh, like yeah. going into you could go all over the place with this but the food that we eat the yeah the way that we move our bodies just even throughout the day how yeah that's part of of it too is like we're normally in front of a computer screen and so we're normally in a freeze mode um and women typically freeze more than men when we're encountered with trauma so now even just like the email that you have to send can trigger that response in your body so we're constantly being we're constantly having frozen patterns of trauma stuck in our body so that's why it's really good to have a practice where you move um, to release that daily, um, so that you don't have like the junk built up to where then you would have a panic attack. That's kind of how I say it. It's like, there's a capsule of stress within your body that can only take so much. And I have a few, uh, friends and clients right now that actually have shingles at a young age. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a, an, an yeah. example of what the body does when you don't release, when you keep storing that stress or freezing those patterns of trauma. Yeah. Well, we talked about you coming up here sometime soon and doing an embodiment, nonlinear workshop or something along those lines. So um, I will make sure to let you guys know, our audience, um, our listeners, when we do that soon. And um, before we wrap up, we've been asking everybody this question. So love to ask you one more question. Is that okay? Yeah. What is giving you hope right now? these crazy times oh. um can I be like brutally honest yeah if anything <laughs> having having um healing orgasms 
<laughs> honestly been giving me hope. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. All right. Yep. On that note. So our embodiment coach, bringing it to us. <laughs> yeah. I love Loving it. my body, healing with my body, having, oh, okay. That can't be the last one. No, there's so much more to hope. Um, <laughs> but healing my relationship with my husband and healing it through sex has been extremely hopeful. Mm. Um, having a community of people doing this work as well has given me a lot of hope that there's like so much more to life than I thought there was. Um, I don't have to limit myself as much anymore. Um, having friends like you guys that are also doing this work and kind of paving the messy way in front. Like, I feel like that's very hopeful because there's so many times where I just like want to ask someone else's opinion, like, am I okay? Even though I know that's my job. Um, and I really love Gen Z. Gen Z gives me hope. Mm. Yeah. I feel like our kids are going to be better off because of the work we're doing. And I already see that they are um, a generation that is caring about the things that are important and destigmatizing things like mental illness and getting help. Um, so that gives me a lot of hope. Absolutely. Yeah. Same. Well, thank you so much. This has been so fun. And where can people find you? Your work? Yeah, thanks. Um, they can find me at my website, chrissypowers.com. Um, I'm on Instagram, although I'm trying to slow down this summer and not be on as much, but um, Chrissy J Powers on Instagram. And if anybody's interested in working with me, you can always just email me at chrissypowersmft at gmail.com. Yeah. Thanks, friend. And then, yeah, come to our workshop that we're going to do in Costa Mesa soon. <laughs> yep. And we'll, we'll get that on the calendar ASAP. Put that out there. I'm so excited. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, friend. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to check out our website, philandjenwood.com, for coaching, resources, and events. And if you enjoyed this, feel free to subscribe. You can even leave a review. Keep going. See you next time.